So, did y'all spend all Halloween night looking through your kids' bags mm-hmm, mm-hmm. of candy? Cups. No, you were looking for fentanyl, which oh. actually sounded kind of crazy, but it is legitimately on the streets in candy-colored pill form. And so I was the candy checker. But today, to talk about some of the really serious issues we have going on in Jefferson County and in the state of Alabama, we have Dr. Darlene Traffenstead, who's going to visit us from the Jefferson County Department of Health and talk to us about treatment, what she's seeing on the streets, and how we can help those and protect those that are struggling with this addiction, and uh, what we can do as a state and as just people. Yeah, well, I mean, to help to save fight. people who might accidentally overdose There's actually or more you can do than you think. Right. So stick around. We've got a lot of good information. We're literally debating that it's bad that people get to say what they think. Can you imagine? I'm reading Psalm 144 and it says, He trains my hands for war. We are on the brink of total destruction of America as we know it. Let your rebel flag fly. Welcome into this week's edition of Alabama Unfiltered. I am one of your hosts, Scott Beeson. Amy Beth Shaver is with me. Allison Sinclair is here as well, one of the other hosts. Don't forget you can find this podcast at all the usual places where you listen to podcasts. And check us out at 1819news.com. We are powered by them. Sign up for the daily detail. Get their newsletter. It will really keep you up to speed on what's going on in the state of Alabama. It is your best source for Alabama news. Ladies, how are y'all? Good. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. It's really, really good. You're doing good? I'm great. You're tall, small. Which which version of you is No, today week? I'm normal. Normal height. I'm normal. Last week you wanted to be small. Well, I looked a little small. Because so you, you were way up bigger. higher and then you're just bigger too. That's right. manly. But I did wear husky. puffy sleeves yeah, to looking, make me look you're a little muscular, yeah. <laughs> well, nineteen eighties. Little buff there, you know, yeah. buff girls or whatever. You can make fun of my puffy sleeves. I didn't even oh notice them until you told me, but yes, I'm gonna make fun of them later. That's why are you wearing loser green? All of us are in blue. We got the memo. Is one of them we understood the assignment. Well, I wanted to not look like y'all's brother. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. okay. All right. It's all right. It's all good. So what do we got on deck for today? We have a great guest today. And I'm going to get her name right. Um, Dr. Traffenstead, right? Right. Did I get that right? Traffenstead. Okay. We are going to follow up on a conversation that we had a couple months ago about fentanyl. And about the growing overdoses, really, we're just past Halloween, and so parents were concerned that it was in their candy, but we're concerned about much more than that. And so we're excited that she is here. And how about we'll kick it off by having her tell us a little bit about herself and what position you occupy, and and we're going to go from there. Yeah, so I'm an internal medicine physician by training and practiced here in the Birmingham area for 14 years. Um, During that time, I was elected to the Alabama Board of Medical Examiners, which is the physician regulatory body in the state of Alabama. And uh, around that time, Alabama also was the highest opioid prescribing state in the country by far. And so what we did at the Alabama Board of Medical Examiners is we started more tightly regulating physician prescribing of opioids. Mm -hmm. Um, That that was the right thing to do at that time. Um, And what we began to see was we began to see that we had a rising overdose rate. So as people had a more difficult time obtaining prescription opioids, they turned to street opioids. And so we started to see our heroin overdoses specifically climbing. Um, And at that time, I recognized that we did not have the infrastructure that we needed in the state of Alabama to help those who were suffering from substance use disorder get the treatment and recovery resources that they needed. 
And so that actually prompted my transition from private practice internal medicine into public health. Um, so I've been at the Jefferson County Department of Health for about four years now. Um, I serve as a medical director there, and I oversee our um, Health Equity and Population Health Division, which is where our overdose prevention and response efforts lie. Wow. Very good. That's a lot. It is a lot. So what we used to call drug overdose or drug addiction is now substance abuse disorder. Substance use disorder. Substance use okay, disorder. That's right. Okay, I just want to make sure I get SUD. The, okay. And then OUD, opioid use disorder, is a subset of that. Okay. Okay. So for people who don't know and they're saying, okay, what is an opioid? What is fentanyl? Like, what does that all mean? Can we break it down and just explain what the drugs are and then where they came from? Because for a while, I'm sure you've read the book, uh, Dreamland. Chris had me... My husband's a physician. He had me read that book because he too has been alarmed by what's going on with opioids. And I'm so glad for all that you are doing. But because we're not medical, do you mind breaking it down for us? Not at and all. Defining some terms. Sure. So opioids are medications that are typically used for pain. Okay. So the 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 drug that used to be known as Lortab, yes, mm-hmm. which is now Norco. Um, Oxycontin, those are all opioid medications. Morphine uh, is another example. Um, And those are prescriptions. And fentanyl actually comes in a prescription form. So prescription fentanyl is used for uh, really severe cancer-type pain, like bone metastasis-type pain. It comes in lollipops in the prescription forms. It comes in patches that you place on the skin. Um, And it is also used to induce, maintain uh, anesthesia. So if you've ever been in, if you've ever had a surgical procedure um, right before they put the tube down your throat to help you breathe, um, they give you a medicine to kind of make you a little bit loopy. And oftentimes that's fentanyl. So if you've ever had that feeling right as you're about to go to sleep on the operating table, many times they use fentanyl to induce that feeling to to make you not know that a tube's about to go down your throat um, to help you breathe. So fentanyl is also used to... um, to maintain anesthesia. And the way that it's appropriately used in both of those settings is that people who end up on fentanyl for very severe pain, they've typically been on short-acting opioids or long-acting oral opioids for a long time, and they are very opioid tolerant. And so fentanyl, I think the thing that people need to know most about fentanyl is that it is, is extremely potent at a very small dose. So fentanyl is dosed in micrograms versus milligrams of mm-hmm. others. So it's, it's a very tiny dose. Like, think about it in terms of grains of salt. So a few grains of salt can be a fatal dose in someone mm-hmm. who's not opioid tolerant. So when it's used appropriately as a prescription medication in long-term pain patients that are very opioid right. tolerant, it's used safely. And when it's used in the operating room under monitoring for, you know, breath, breathing and heart, uh, right. heart rate, it's used very safely. But what is happening now is that um, it is being illicitly manufactured. So if you think about the old way that methamphetamines were manufactured in home methamphetamine labs, Mm -hmm. um, illicitly manufactured fentanyl is being manufactured very much the same way. So not typically at the home level, but I was about to say, not at the the rotted house, the old cabin in the woods and half of it's falling in. Not in that same way, but by criminal organizations who um, are importing the chemical components. Mm -hmm. It is um, very cheap to make. It is very easy to make from a chemistry standpoint. And so they're importing the components and then putting Mm -hmm. it together in a, a clandestine lab 
um, and then putting it in everything else, everything that's out there available to purchase on the street. They put a little bit fit, of it in it. Now has fentanyl in it. Oh, Is that so. just to enhance it or because it's so cheap? Well, or? I mean, sometimes it's cross-contamination and sometimes it's intentional. Um, so uh, it, if you think about it, um, it's it's very smart business move on their part, right. believe it or not, because like people who use cocaine and methamphetamine, those are stimulants. They have okay. the opposite effect on a person from okay. an opioid. Okay, so, so opioids are downers? Opioids are downers. They're going to depress the respiratory rate, which is how people overdose. Oh, really? So they, okay. They, and that's they, why they have heart failure? And well, they interfere with the breathing in the brain, so the re- breathing stops first, mm-hmm. and then the heart stops secondary to the breathing stopping. Um, but hmm. stimulants, cocaine and methamphetamine, those are uppers. Okay. If you will. And so the population of individuals that uses cocaine and methamphetamine have typically been able to use those safely. They don't, re- they don't suppress the respiratory drive. Okay. Um, but now our cocaine and methamphetamine supply is contaminated with the fentanyl. Um, so you have opioid intolerant patients, mm-hmm. uh, individuals rather, who are getting fentanyl in their cocaine or methamphetamine totally unaware can't okay. see it, can't taste it, can't identify that it's So does it not in. make them balanced? Yeah, that seems like, like a bad a speedy, idea, though. A speedy and a slower. No, because um, it, it might from a mood standpoint, okay. but it's the respiratory center but in the brain. Physiologi- physiologically, it's, right. your it's shutting them down. Your brain might be not, going, yeah. but your body's going. But your breathing is stopping. Wow. When you yeah. might need more, or your brain might think you need more because you're supposed to be speeding. Well, That's I amazing. mean, so, so you create a whole new customer base. So you've got your stimulant users who may have used safely, you know, recreationally even stimulants for a long time. Right, right. (laughs) Illegally, all those things I I understand. But um, now they're at risk of a fatal overdose when that's never been the case in our drug supply here in this area or in this state before. So go back. You can you're saying if you have been using opioids, you basically can build up a tolerance to where fentanyl, which. For the record, because someone asked me after our last, um, if you remember our last podcast, mm-hmm. I think Dr. Harrison said fentanyl. And then somebody said, is that the same drug that y'all were talking about before? Fentanyl, correct, is right. is the correct, we just say fentanyl in <laughs> Alabama. Right. Fentanyl, so fentanyl. same thing. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, that's the TV advertisements that made us not know that. You know, because they, 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 change, properly say they change when, oh, this is pylexioid. Oh, that's different than pylexiad. Well, I actually broke down the word and I was like, NYL, fentanyl. Yes, it's the same thing. Anyway, <laughs> we're talking about the same truck. Right. But you can build up a tolerance to that. Yeah, so but are- even if you've used, okay, that was my question. Even if you, you've you used oxycontin or whatever, yeah. you would have a tolerance to, because it's basically the same. Toxic. Depends on the dose that you've taken previously right. and the length of time that you've taken it. All of those things matter as to what your opioid tolerance is and how much fentanyl you could tolerate before you accidentally overdose. So, okay. um, wow. so fentanyl is going to be um, it's going to be a hundred times more potent than than morphine and fifty times more potent than heroin. So, you know, if you're a long-term heroin user, you're even at risk of fentanyl overdose, even though they're both opioids, because the potency is so much higher. Right. Word. 50 times? Like you would have to take 50 yeah. doses? Of- well, you're thinking about grains of salt. Right. So, you know, right. for an, okay, the uh, yeah. same kind Tiny of dose, doses. Be 50 times as much. Yeah. So the Families wow. Against Fentanyl have asked for it to be registered or, I guess, marked as a weapon of mass destruction. Would you agree? I mean, it's all semantics. Like, either way, people are dying. It's a poison, right. But, but 
Well, I think that comes from the fact that, um, I, I mean, I think, you know, in terms of bioterrorism, um, so if you have a large group of people gathered and you brought Rose a drone over air. and dropped yeah. some fentanyl down, it, it does not um, absorb through the skin as easily, but it does absorb through through in, inhalation. Right. So, mm. uh, you know, I think that's where they're going with that, is I that assume. Is that how police officers who show up on yeah, the scene somewhere, has somebody been trying to yeah, I, smoke it or something? I, don't, well, I mean, I have... I have well, no you idea how the, you do any of this um, stuff. The teacher at the school that found, um, I guess they found a um, bottle, a prescription bottle, and they opened it, and, you know, it's been in a backpack, and it's been shaken around in the dust, and they opened it, and he actually had a reaction. They had to use Narcan, I guess, from probably inhaling the dust particles. Right, inhalation. Wow. It's, yeah. it's much okay. more likely than skin absorption, okay. but um, things like hand sanitizer exacerbate skin absorption. So, you know, when we're, when we have law enforcement that we're working with, we say, make sure after you come into contact, potentially with fentanyl, that you wash your hands with soap and water and don't use hand sanitizer first. Wow. So it's, it's all kinds really? of things like that. Cause it maybe so alcohol. Like the, for you. <laughs> the, that's not what I'm suggesting. <laughs> no, does it take all the like, oils off? Yeah, what does it, do? it, it just, it, it just potentiates the absorption. So I can't really, oh, like I, the alcohol yeah, I can't, whatever. that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Goodness. yeah. Yeah. Just keep the dirt. So I don't, my kids that are in college, I don't need to worry about them like bumping up against someone. But like if somebody walks into a bar and throws it everywhere, then you just run. That would be a, that would be a potential risk. Okay. Yeah. And, and we, we, you know, I think the risk of that is very minimal. And so in terms of making decisions about weapons of mass destruction, I don't mm -hmm. really have an opinion on that. Um, we have much bigger problems than, than the risk of bioterrorism. Right. I guess fentanyl. their point okay. is that they were talking about that it's even more potent than sarin gas. You yeah, know, that it's, it is very dangerous. It's not drug. something you want to mess around with. Yeah. Um, and speaking of college students, it's something we're really wa wanting to drive home right now because up until the last couple of years, college students have really not been in the group of students that we felt were at risk of fentanyl overdose. But that is another thing that change has come in the last couple of years, and um, that's that now these same criminal organizations are pressing pills that look indistinguishable from prescription medications. So they're taking the chemical components. They may be a little bit of the pill that the person thinks they're right. using. Mm -hmm. So there may be a little bit of Xanax in there. There may be a little bit of a pain medication or a little bit of an ADHD medication in there, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but there's also fentanyl in there. And so they're making counterfeit pills that again, indistinguishable from if you put mm -hmm. a prescription Xanax beside the counterfeit Xanax, right. you just Which can't just tell like the difference. Oh. So why do they, as from a business standpoint, why is that a good idea for them? Well, does um, it cause instant addiction kind of thing? There, or there's a number of reasons. I think okay. for the stimulant users, you've got a new customer base because once you get that euphoria that I was describing earlier when okay. you first go to sleep. So they're not even asking if you want to try it. They're like, hey, it just mm. came with the package. Right, okay. Right. Okay. So you've potentially created a new opioid user. So okay. that's one possibility. The other possibility is the cross contamination that I mentioned earlier. So sometimes right. it's not intentional. But in these pressed pills, you know, it makes them have a different effect than if they took a, you know, um, half milligram Xanax right. versus a tiny little bit of Xanax with right. fentanyl in it. That person's going to have a completely different, different feeling from and that. And they're banking on them going. Right. Far. Sadly, we hear, you know, sometimes when there's an overdose, people actually seek that, that person out that sold that drug because the more potent drugs, you know, may be being sold by that person. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, sometimes they're willing to take a risk 
to to increase business, and that it's really sad to say. It's really well, I mean, makes me sad to say that, but mm-hmm. I mean, we're we're dealing with people that are you know focused on the business side of things and not right. the human you know the human impact of it. Right. Yeah. Wow. Oh my word! Like I, so my, my mind just are blown. people are the, what all are they lacing with fentanyl? Do they do marijuana or so there- synthetic marijuana? Um, most recently, has been shown to be sprayed with fentanyl. Now, is that va- uh, the little vape things it's, or it, no? How do you do not synthetic the ones, marijuana. Synthetic oh. marijuana is like bath salts. They're also known as bath salts. It's another drug of abuse. Oh. Uh, how do you particularly take that? in young people? Or how um, does someone take that? So <laughs> it can be smoked. It can okay. be. They, they can ingest these things just about any any which way. Really? Um, yeah. So, But what I would say about that is that marijuana has been thought to be a safe recreational drug for people up until this point and cannot say enough. There are no safe recreational drugs right now. There are no safe drugs that you do not personally obtain from a prescription, like from a prescriber or a pharmacy. Okay. So if you didn't go get that pill from the pharmacy yourself, you don't know what you you're can't getting. trust that it's a real pill. Really? It could be a counterfeit pill contaminated with fentanyl. Right. You just can't. All the way down to. To synthetic marijuana. Synthetic marijuana. Yeah. So that's. What are your feelings on the medical marijuana that is about to start? That'll be a regulated industry. So I don't feel like that is at a risk from a fentanyl, you know, standpoint. Um, Obviously, it's state law in Alabama. So I I don't have I I don't have any other opinions to voice on that. That, (laughs) That's a a good political answer. Look at that. Greatest idea, but somebody uh, else did it, and yeah, I'm here to talk about so, fentanyl. That's right. Fentanyl. <laughs> well, I think it all kind of goes together. Like I think about with, and we won't stay there, but with medical marijuana, like my son's 20, he can walk in and yeah, start, and then well, you get used to that high, and then you're looking for something else. So there's there's some fear and some questions there, but yeah. hopefully the dispensaries are not lacing. Yeah, I, I I think that's going to that be would probably put them yeah. out of business. I think it's going to be an appropriately regulated industry in our state, and um, I, I don't feel like that's related to the fentanyl risk at all. You know, we'll say uh, the brain's not fully developed until twenty five, and so I have great concerns about Some young people's people. Brains aren't developed at <laughs> twenty five. Like that's true. <laughs> I wasn't so, talking about you. you I was going to point at you before you volunteered that. But I do have great concerns about the use of any mind-altering substance before the brain is fully developed and the impact that that's going to have on brain development. And so I think I'd be remiss not to say that. Um, Yeah. So fentanyl has been around for a while. Yes. In um, the capacity of using it in very um, logical, safe manners in hospitals, like you talked about with anesthesia. Why all of a sudden this explosion? Like, to me, it kind of came out of nowhere. It did. And I don't know, you would think there's nothing new under the sun. Like, we would have already found this. But why now? Did they, is it, why? Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, so heroin was the drug of choice for opioid users for a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, And heroin is a plant. It has to be grown. Fentanyl Mm. is a synthetic drug that is put together. It's man-made. It's put together by individuals in a lab, and thus its supply is limitless. As much they just got tired of growing in the process of heroin. Yeah, or or they were limited by how much they could grow. Right. And and here they're not. I mean, they were growing organic. (laughs) Yeah, non-GMO. Exactly. They just slowed it down. It was. Yeah, and then you got to harvest it, and then. 
pick it and then yeah, separate it and hide all of that while you're right. doing it. Yeah, right. and and it's I did think about that. I was like, it's much easier to smuggle. I don't know how many say without smuggle micrograms as opposed to like big bags of plant poppy yeah. seeds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, so you can make gallon buckets. And yeah. I mean, mix yeah. away. It's also very easy to traffic. Because um, I think the I think Amy Beth mentioned the candy, you know. So I think there was the scare about Skittles boxes or, you know, with with fentanyl tablets. That was not intended for children. That was just an easy way to get it into right. the country and traffic it across really? the country. Hmm. So this can be put in liquid form, powder form, tablet form, right. and it can be easily can trafficked. Yeah. I asked one of my kids this morning how trick or treating went, and they said they did not go. Because people will give you drugs. Oh, really? Makes I was me like, sad. Dang, you should have come to our neighborhood. Oh, wow. I was I was sad. Really? By it. Yeah. And then last night, one of the kids we were at a friend's house for a little while. And one of the kids had like the generic piece of candy. Mm-hmm. It's just like blue and some wrapper, and everybody that was like, sketchy. "Yeah, just throw it away." Yeah. yeah, interesting. Just because I was the candy yeah. checker last night. You were, you? you were taking we the still, candy tax, Yeah, they were like, Allison, you? you did a podcast on this. Can you check this <laughs> check out? This. And I was like, It'll cost you two eh, Reese's. I'm throwing these bottle caps out because I don't like them. <laughs> they look legit, but nah. <laughs> um, but that's kind of scary because it wasn't, when I first heard it, I'm like, oh my God, there's a bunch of moms, some Karens somewhere yeah. that are freaking out about, but no, then I saw the Lego box full of fentanyl and I, Okay, this is real. Yeah, just really hard to detect and easy to go across our interstates in this country and just wreaking havoc on our, you know, our population. It's it's really sad. Um, I mean, some of these things that we're talking about are just realities. But, you know, I never fail to think about when I talk about these numbers that I can share with y'all if y'all wish to hear them. But every one of those individuals is, you know, a person who has value and Mm -hmm. a family and friends and neighbors and coworkers and so each person that we lose to this, there's this huge ripple effect of all of those other lives that are permanently impacted and will never be the same. And, um, you know, as these counterfeit pills have been introduced and now synthetic marijuana, you know, our population of overdose ind- individuals who are overdosing is just getting younger and younger. Um, so we've now had multiple teenagers and college students in the state of Alabama overdose in this year. And um, just really sad. It's just really sad. We we have to make some changes. We have to make resources more available to people to change the course that we're on. So are we seeing more people um, become addicted? I know I'm not supposed to. What was the word? What's yeah, the it, it, addicted is okay. Substance. Or develop use, substance use disorder. disorder. Okay. Yeah. Um. I think you know we we've we've had a problem with that for a long time. Mm-hmm. I think fentanyl just changes the game because it is so potent, right. such a small dose, and so effective at giving people the euphoria that they're looking for. Um, so once you get exposed to fentanyl, it's hard to go once back from that. you go fentanyl, that. you never it, go back. It, it, you do mm-hmm. go back, but it's just a really difficult process Because the story I hear a from. lot is, or, you know, is so-and-so was experimenting or took something at a party, mm-hmm. and they either overdosed and died, or now they're addicted. Like, boom. Yeah. Never meant to be... Because you get this whole idea of, hey, you need to not be doing, why are you going back? But this is like, it starts instantly. life-altering, yeah. And I don't think anybody who uses drugs recreationally intends to become addicted. Right. Um, And everybody thinks they're not, you know, they're They're, not, it's not not going to happen to me. me. Yeah, but, um, you know, for fentanyl specifically, 
it, it's a very powerful substance and very, um, you know, very much going to have a hold on people right. because of its. And its, you were saying that yeah. there is nothing out there now. Mm-hmm. There's nothing Everything safe. might have it. Everything might have it. You have to, if you are purchasing substances outside of a prescriber's office or a pharmacy, you mm-hmm. have to assume that there is fentanyl, fentanyl in there and act appropriately. Yeah. Wow. Good grief. So numbers wise. Yes. Yeah, so I obviously have Jefferson County data. Um, there's a little bit more difficulty getting statewide data. Uh, we have really fantastic uh, coroner medical examiner's office here in Jefferson County that's staffed by UAB forensic pathologist and so we and UAB forensic toxicologist. So we get really, really good uh, overdose data in Jefferson County. That's um, different than in the rest of the state based on the way that they are resourced. Mm-hmm. Um, so for 2019 to 2021, um, our fentanyl overdose deaths were up 233%. Mm-hmm. We doubled from 2019 to 2020, went from went from 95 to 190 and then up to 316. Um, this year, um, at one point in this year in the summer, more than 50% of the cases worked by our coroner medical examiner's office were overdoses. Um, these are overdoses that end in death, right? These are deaths. Yeah. We have how many contain fentanyl or so it's about 80% of all of our overdose deaths are fentanyl related. Now, typically it's fentanyl plus, plus something or more than something. Yeah. But 80% of our overdose deaths are fentanyl related in Jefferson County uh, for the last two years. Oh my word. It's fascinating to me. We, we started doing these podcasts and Talking about fentanyl and talking to the family members, fentanyl, fentanyl, <laughs> fentanyl. fentanyl. Um, He's from Gardendale. And fentanyl. <laughs> we just barely fitting accept to get him. Some. <laughs> fitting to talk about it too. Listen. The um, senator. It's amazing to me that it's almost like no one in elected office wants to talk about how bad this actually is from a from a federal standpoint or a state standpoint. I mean, hearing those kinds of numbers what it does, how powerful it is. I mean, why are we not on top of this situation? It's not an yeah. answer for you because you yeah. work, you know. Well, but Jefferson County government. is. Go- They're at least trying to make people aware. Right. So what are you doing well, to yeah. mitigate this? Because until you shut down the border, I don't. Yeah, and and to be honest, when we shut down the border, it's still going to find it's, a way. You already told us it's yeah, easy it's to make, to and I think people way. think right. it's coming across the border because it's difficult. Well, no, they're just it's just they're easy. making it where they can, and when we shut the border, they're going to make it here, and they're going to find a different way to get the chemical components in. It can be shipped. Right. You know, so what's in it? I mean, is it hard? Is it hard stuff to get? <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, don't give me the. No, don't give I don't me, want don't the recipe. Cup of antifreeze. Right. I mean, I don't want the the ingredients, but is it something that it, I've never tried to make it on my own? So I can't okay. tell you. I mean, I I know the, chem, the I've seen the chemical structure, but I right. can't tell you how they actually put it together. Right. So, but is it things beyond. that are hard to get? No, these typically the. The components come in from China and okay. come into Mexico, and then it's put right. together in Mexico, and then it's brought. But it's not odd, water. weird it's ingredients. Chemi- it's chemicals. It's just plain it's old chemicals. chemicals. Yeah, yeah, okay. that are put together in, into a combination. Um, but I do want to say that our state legislature did something really great last year. Um, so they passed a change to our drug paraphernalia law, um, which we were really, really happy to see. We championed that bill in mm-hmm. the state legislature. Um, Dr. Mark Wilson, our health officer, 
And um, so fentanyl test strips are excluded from our drug paraphernalia law. So testing supplies were previously a part of the drug paraphernalia law. So if you were caught with a fentanyl test strip prior to last legislative session, you would be in possession of drug paraphernalia. Um, but they have excluded fentanyl test strips from that drug paraphernalia law. So now it is legal for us to distribute and for people to possess fentanyl test strips. Right. And that law became effective June the 1st. Um, and we began distributing them in September. So like you rub it across your pill? <clears throat> no, you dissolve your drug in, in water. Mm -hmm. And then it's um, very similar to like a, a home pregnancy test and its technology or a home COVID test. Okay. Mm -hmm. You dip the strip into the liquid mm -hmm. with the mm -hmm. drug dissolved in it, and then it, it's either positive or negative. Wow. Hmm. We now, um, we've been distributing um, naloxone online for free for the whole state of Alabama since 2020 when the pandemic hit and we couldn't get it out in person. We, we developed right. an online system with mail order. So we added fentanyl test strips to that in early September. So naloxone, is that the... So that the, was a question. Yeah. Do we need to all start carrying Narcan and... I would love nothing more than for, for really? bystanders to have Narcan. It's available for free to anyone in the state of Alabama through our website. So jcdh.org slash naloxone. It takes hmm. about 10 minutes to get the training, online training for naloxone, which is commonly known as Narcan. Okay, so same um, stuff. Yeah, yeah, the reason okay. I don't call it Narcan is because <clears throat> Narcan is only one brand name. So now we have oh, oh, okay. We have Narcan. It's a nasal spray. It comes right. in a four milligram dose. And then we have generic naloxone nasal sprays. And then we have an eight milligram nasal spray now called Cloxado. And the reason there's an eight milligram nasal spray is because fentanyl is more difficult to reverse. So it takes higher doses of naloxone to reverse. And so we now have an eight milligram nasal spray as well. So, so we need to order ours. Yeah. Well, yeah. here's the question. So what are signs and symptoms that people would want to look for? Let's say that they go, okay, well, I will go get that 10 minute training mm -hmm. so that I can have it. In case what are people? Happens. Yeah. I mean, what are people looking for? So that they'd know somebody was in the throes of an overdose or headed that way. It's a great question. So we go through all that in the training. Okay. But what I'll say is there's just a few really key signs or symptoms. So you're looking for somebody that's minimally responsive or not responsive. And you want to try to induce pain in them, something that would generally make them wake up. So we use a sternal rub where you take your knuckles and you just rub real hard on the breastbone, okay. which if you do that to somebody that's awake, it hurts. And so that's our painful stimulus to try to wake them up. Um, I, I really so want to. Yeah. You want to do it to me? <laughs> you got to rub real hard. No. You're going with a slap. <laughs> or you could pinch, pinch, yeah. pinch their, their nail beds. There's lots of ways. so nice. To, pinch yeah. their nose, slap them around. Induce some pain somehow. Yeah. Okay. okay. If you get no response to this, <laughs> Ow! then we're out. That's right. That's okay. right. We're, we're, we're spraying. <laughs> Um, they may be discolored depending on the coloration of their skin. They may be dis discolored around their lips or their fingertips. Um, they will not be breathing or they will be breathing irregularly or maybe sound like they're snoring really loud, but their breaths are far apart. So there's a change in their breathing. And um, the one thing that I tell people to always look out for, because that could be a sign of a lot of things. Right. But um, if you can get a your cell phone flashlight in their eye and they have pinpoint pupils, so really tiny pupils because mm -hmm. opioids really? are going to shrink the pupils down. Okay. So if they've got pinpoint pupils, 
give them the Narcan or the Naloxone okay. or the Cloxado, whatever product you have. Now, will, will these products hurt somebody that's not on drugs? No, they, okay. it's, a ma- it's a magic medication. It's the most really? remarkable thing to see. There are some videos out on YouTube of real people that have been overdosing and have had Narcan given to them and reverse the overdose. And if you've never seen it, you should go out on YouTube and look it up. But basically what the, the Naloxone does, it so the drug, the opioid, is on the receptors in the brain that receive opioids, okay. opioid receptors. And all naloxone does is it has a, the, the receptor has a stronger affinity for naloxone than it does the opioid. And so when the naloxone wow. goes in through the nose or injected, right. it goes crosses the blood-brain barrier. Okay. And that receptor, it's like a magnet to that receptor. it just receptor. pulls it off. It pulls that, re- mm. the receptor kind of pulls that naloxone to it, and it knocks that fentanyl, heroin, Morphine. The thing. It is magic, and and that's all. That's the only place that it works in the now, body. No, they didn't invent it for that. Though, did it they? is. They it, did. Yeah. They didn't it, just stumble across it somewhere. No, no it was. It was actually used did. in the healthcare setting. So oh. to wake somebody up, say they get too much opioid in the healthcare setting, it's it's been really? used for a long time there, but now it's used like in the that, overdose. Yeah. But it's a magic drug, and Smelling within stuff. two to three minutes, they're white. They look dead. They, uh-huh. for all practical purposes, are going to die if some intervention is not taken. Right. And in two to three minutes, they're like awake and normal. It's it's the most magical thing. Now, some people require more than one dose because they've got so much opioid on board. Right. And the other thing we always tell people is that naloxone half-life is very short. So if you give naloxone, but the person has enough of a long-acting drug on board, uh-huh. that naloxone is going to wear off. It's going to vacate that receptor, and that drug's going to land back down. Mm. So we encourage people if they do have to have naloxone to go into the, the hospital, hospital so that if they need more. What later. if somebody was um, just bad drunk? If they're bad drunk, it's not going to help them, not going to hurt them okay. because it's okay. not going to work in the same part of the brain that the alcohol is working. Okay. If they're having an allergic reaction, like an anaphylaxis, it's not going to help, not going to hurt. hurt. If they're having a heart attack, it's not going to help, not going to hurt. Hey. Yeah. Now for people who are long-term opioid users, when you they hate Narcan because when you give them Narcan, it's immediately putting them into withdrawal. Mm. And so if they're a long-term opioid user that accidentally overdosed, you're going to put them into withdrawal and they're going to be angry when they wake up. They're going to really? be upset because they're you're it's like, like erasing everything. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. But that's the real ri- That's the only real risk with, with naloxone is putting someone into withdrawal who's used to having opioids on board. So what is the next step? Because and how do you get treatment for this? And I'm assuming Jefferson yes. County, that's what you've talked a lot about is right. finding treatment, better treatment. Yeah. Kind of new. What what does that look like? Yeah. So we have really wonderful resources in the state. Um, we partner with the Alabama Department of Public Health and the Alabama Department of Mental Health. And and I will say that this has been a place where there has been really great statewide coordination to really get resources to people, especially in rural areas or mm-hmm. places outside of Birmingham where there's not great resources. Um, so we have a 24-7 substance use helpline in the state of Alabama. Um, anyone can call that number and receive um, assistance. It could be a friend or a family member of someone who's in active use, or it could be a person in active use. So what's that number? That number is 1-844-307-1760. Okay. Maybe we can get that like super fancy up on the <laughs> yeah. screen. Yeah, that would be great. I bet Adrian can do that. Probably. He can do anything. <laughs> right. Yeah, and then anyone in the state of Alabama can go to our website, get free naloxone, um, free fentanyl test strips. Um, we send out five fentanyl test strips. Our naloxone is mailed in a priority U.S. 
Postal Service Priority Mailbox. It's nondescript on the outside. You might get it. You might not. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you get it. Right. We do She's try to comment really on that. Really <laughs> okay, good, good. Yeah, so um, we just really would love for people to take advantage of these resources. Um, this is a bystander drug. So a lot of people, when we go out to community events and we tell them what we're doing, they'll say, well, I don't know anybody that uses drugs. I don't need that. Mm -hmm. And what we'll say to them is you could be at a gas station or mm -hmm. at a McDonald's or any other place in the mm -hmm. community and you could save a life. This is a very low cost intervention. It's about $25 mm -hmm. a dose. Fentanyl test strips right now cost us $1 a piece. Okay. And so when you're thinking about overall healthcare costs right. and you know, like these are low cost interventions that save lives. Right. Um, so we really, so would you advise, um, businesses to have these nearby, yeah. like at yeah. least put them in the manager's office or whatever and have them yes. at the, at the hamburger place at the so-and-so. I mean, I remember the big drive to have the, uh, defibrillators right. everywhere. I mean, this is way easier to have so, around. Yeah. And we say, if you would be willing to perform CPR on somebody, there's no difference in being willing to give them naloxone. It's this, yeah. it's it's a bystander intervention that saves a life, or you know, could at least get somebody until they get to the hospital where they can get definitive intervention. Um, and it's possible that you could be somewhere and have it blown across you, or better to whatever, be prepared, so no matter what. To, yeah. Right. The other thing we we've really been working on, and and so some of your listeners may have influence in this space, is we've really been trying to get naloxone into dorms, college dorms. Oh, and why is that hard? It's hard because there's liability that there's perceived liability, even though we do have, you know, um, in our naloxone bill that passed back in 2015, right. we have some immunity built into that bill. Right. But um, we, you know, there's fear about liability. There's fear, fear about asking college students to be in that situation of administering medical aid to we'll somebody. Just tell them it's all part of equity, diversity training or whatever. <laughs> or right we'll, get, yeah. we'll fairly give this to anybody who needs it. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, what about it's like an RA? There's got to be somebody that you, is a little idea. bit more. Really yeah, is. but there's just been, you know, um, uh, we've tried and there's just not been a lot of uptake. So we really would encourage any college or university in the state of Alabama right. to have naloxone readily available to their students. We don't want to wait until there's a, an overdose on their campus. And then we they'll all say, right. now we've put in things right. in place let's where not, we could blah, 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 blah. Yeah. This, that's fascinating, though. Yeah. It actually burns me up that... And we don't want a difficult thing. I mean, well, and you don't want to legislate things if you don't have to. But I mean, you know, at some point we've got to make some of these things happen um, right. rather than just waiting for them to organically happen. Yeah, would you right. rather someone die in your dorm? And I know they no, don't want that's that. That's really right. bad just PR. Have it nearby. Right. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I don't understand why and it's like difficult. in a little case, break. Yeah. I think, and I <laughs> think we're right. getting at the underlying cause, aren't we? It's shame to even admit that there may be somebody in your dorm at your prestigious college or university right. that has a problem. But it also is getting at that deeper level of the people who struggle right. and people we know struggle, and we'd be shocked at who that is. Right. And, you know, I would venture to guess that every college campus in this state has recreational drug use as part of their student body activities. I mean, I think that's yep. just often a part of that growing up experience. And um, recreational drug use five years ago was was relatively safe unless you were injecting heroin. Recreational drug use today is not safe. 
So and it's even, never, ever, ever, ever going to be safe again. It, I can't imagine fent- illicitly manufactured fentanyl disappearing. Right. 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 I agree. I, I think completely. it'll always be. So with maybe us. we just tell the universities and the colleges, look, this is just in case that one person, one time, who wasn't even a student, came over and visited yes. and was for the other school and then accidentally. Fell from on the a, other school. Fell on a Tic Tac that had fentanyl in it. You'll have it. No. There you go. Just will make college professor. I mean, whatever college you have to do. President. Yeah. yeah. Just say it. The You know, it's not their fault. Just in case. No, you just, you make an agreement that you're just assuming that somebody, it wafted over them while they were walking on the sidewalk. <laughs> That's true. From That's a construction it. That's, we side. Don't That's right. Because yeah. who has it? I, on the way here, drove past a truck that right. Mara Joanna was flowing out of it. And I was like, wow. Wow. That smells really bad. So, I mean, it happens. Right. It could, it's common. It's just on the yeah, wind. It's common. And but it was I no think student that it is whatsoever. a very good idea to keep it on campus. But also, though, then talk to us about the people that you're seeing that are coming in for help or that are unwillingly maybe brought in by family members that are saying, really, you need help. And you're there. What kind of people are coming in? Because it's hard to do that. Yeah, this current situation does not exclude anyone from any socioeconomic background, race, religion, gender, ethnicity, any of the categories. This is affecting everyone of all backgrounds and all parts of our community and all parts of our state. So I, I would just say, you know, the stigma that is around substance use has it. We've got to just put it. We've got to put it out of our mind. Like when you think of somebody who's at risk of an overdose, like think of that and then wipe it clean and put anybody that you love. Now it can be anybody. Put anybody that you love in that spot. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Put yourself in that spot. Put your favorite coach in high school in that spot. Like anybody that you care about, that you admire, put them in that spot because it could be anyone. You know, just there are so many situations that we hear about in our work, like. You know, my grandmother, she gets prescription pain medications, but she takes them a little bit more than she's supposed to. So she runs out early. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I I go buy her a few down down the street. Right, because they have one. Right, right, Yeah, to get her through the rest of the month. And that seems like a very, you know, clearly we know it's not a good idea, but it seems like a very innocent thing. Mm -hmm. But that puts that grandmother at risk of overdose. Or borrowing someone. Yeah. Hey, you got any left? Because I know you had it and we'll. mm -hmm. You don't know that they didn't get theirs. Down at the finals are coming up, and finals are coming up, and we know that prescription stimulants are abused during finals. You know, Mm -hmm. people study; they want to stay up all night. Right. You cannot take someone else's medication that they take for ADHD. You cannot take it because you don't know. You don't know. I was about to say the med school student that has to get through that big test. Right. Right. That could be your Mm -hmm. next. Yeah. Substance use disorder. No one, yeah, if you, like I said earlier, if you're obtaining a substance outside of a prescriber's office or a pharmacy, right. you are at risk of overdose with fentanyl as it stands today right. in the state. We're not saying That's take all the sobering. other ones, but we're just saying no. risk. No, yeah, we don't, we, right. we, 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 there is no safe drug use. Right. Uh, you know, we say that with our fentanyl test strip training. Like these, these test strips are not magic. You know, it's not impossible to get a negative test strip right. result. Because of some, and then don't just take it because right, it says it's safe. Right, I gotcha. right. There's no safe drug use. Yeah, yeah. So then, what are resources? Like, what are other resources? And in addition to resources, I know we've talked about it, but like, what are things that the state house can do? Like, legislature, what, what can they do? What can we do? So there's uh, some big decisions coming up with the opioid settlement dollars um, that has been put in the hands of the state legislature. 
So the Alabama Opioid Overdose and Addiction Council is going to be, you know, putting forth their recommendations um, and their expert opinions about how that, that money needs to be spent by our state. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of flexibility in how that money's spent. And so it'll be very interesting to see what happens with that. Um, we still need a lot of resources to tackle this problem effectively in the state of Alabama. And it's my hope that those funds go to those, you know, to those purposes. Um, we, we would love to see naloxone be able to be more widely distributed in the state of Alabama. So our current law allows physicians, dentists, pharmacists, and nurses, registered nurses employed by a public health department mm-hmm. to dispense. Other states um, have layperson dispensing, EMT dispensing. I can only imagine how that happened with just that list. Yes, you can. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, we we um, we will likely be looking at that um, at, at that this next legislative session because it has been approved by the FDA to be an over the counter medication. It's safe. Um, it, the manufacturers have chosen not to make it an over the counter medication because. Uh, for many reasons, I think uh, right. I won't speculate, but um, yeah. So we would love more broad distribution. To be able to get it out. Easier. Yeah, yeah. So I could actually go. I shouldn't say these things. Yeah, well, you are I a can, senator. I you can, can do it. I could go buy something laced with fentanyl easier than I can get. Especially if you have limited financial resources. If you have hundred and twenty dollars, you can Alabama. go buy it at the pharmacy under a standing order of the state health officer. Okay. So it is available to anyone at any you know at a pharmacy. As long as I have hundred dollars. As long as your insurance covers it or you have cash. Really. But for people with limited financial resources, the only place that it's widely available throughout our state is through our health department. Wow. Yeah, and we we can't we've managed through the pandemic to meet the need, but. We don't have the capacity to continue to meet the need of the whole state right, of Alabama. Right. Long because after this show airs, a lot of people are going to order it. I hope so. Right. I really hope so. Yeah. So, Representative Matt Simpson. Simpson or Stimpson? Why did I? I think it's Stimpson. You just said both, so go with it. I, well, anyway, he's Matt. from from Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> but he has legislation to, and I need to go back and read it. Um, it actually came out right after our last fentanyl episode mm-hmm. aired. I don't think we had anything to do with it, even though I wanted to think we did. Um, banking fentanyl possession, like up to a certain gram or something. I need to go back and read. It was a very high amount, though. Yeah, she's already saying micrograms. It's like, it was like if you had five grams on you, you could be charged as a drug dealer, drug trafficking. And I'm like... I love that they're talking about it and that the mm-hmm. legislature is doing something, but five grams will like kill the entire Birmingham area. Yeah. It was probably copied from another drug law mm-hmm. and no one was a scientist and knew that so it was teeny tiny amounts. If y'all aren't that's working with that, reach out to Matt Simpson and yeah. work with him because I'm, and again, I didn't read the whole bill. I didn't read the whole fine print, but it's a, great piece of legislation that's probably needed and to where you could go back and convict the person that's dealing it. I think that, that was part of it too, but they might need some expert advice in you. there. <laughs> I would say five micrograms versus five grams. Well, and five micrograms would get your individual user. And, you know, we're not in favor um, of, of more criminalization of the people that are suffering from substance really? use disorder. So, I mean, I know they're committing an illegal act by possessing fentanyl, Right. Uh, if they know, if they know they have it, um, but you know we want to get those individual users the assistance they need right. to get into treatment and recovery, and right. and not put them in jail. 
That's, but if yeah. five grams seems like a lot. Yeah. Um, it, yeah, do, it does the, seem like a it lot. It seems like a lot. Yeah. If individual it, users could be running around mm-hmm. with five grams. Right. Mm-hmm. I think it would be unusual for them to run around with five grams. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think you would you would likely be trafficking if you've got that much on hand. Yeah. So I would. So <clears throat> y'all probably don't think about the law enforcement side as much. We try. Um, what would, and maybe speaking as an individual citizen, maybe not in your official capacity. What could law enforcement do? Does there need to be more draconian, hey, we catch you, we're hanging you like the pirates on Battery Point? Or, I mean, because, I mean, this is bad stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is but not you got to think about it's what about accidental. the college kid that doesn't even know they have fentanyl well, in their I'm pocket? About the trafficker. Well, that's what we're talking about. Like, how do right, you define right. what that is? Yeah. Right. You know, I, I'll speak as an individual citizen that um, okay. these, these criminal organizations are so sophisticated. Mm-hmm. If you take out one trafficker, there's going to be another one. Mm-hmm. And so I love to think of this problem from the public health perspective, which is the the, the, the supply is going to be there. Right. So, so how do demand. we impact the demand? What do okay. we need to do as a state to give people the resources they need? Not everybody's going to want to get into treatment. Not everybody wants help. Not everyone wants to stop. Right. But for the people who do, one of the big barriers is that we haven't had a lot of resources for them. So I'll give you an example. We have very limited treatment beds for pregnant women who are substance users who want to get clean so that okay. they don't run afoul of the chemical endangerment law in Alabama. Okay. We have very few beds and most of them are in the Birmingham area. We need mm-hmm. many more beds that will accept pregnant women or women with okay. young children that they can bring their children with them to treatment. Yeah, I'm for that. Yeah. So there's tons of things that we can do to make the system work for more people. And that's okay. what we're really focused on. All right. So I'll make a deal. <laughs> you do that part. Okay. I'll catch them and hang them <laughs> at battery point. And, yeah, you won't find me and, doing that. And, and, and eventually we'll run out. If it's quickly. It's not a 20-year deal. It's like right. a two days. Well, there, I mean, there has to be about, you can't just let everybody run into Alabama with bags of fentanyl. Right. That would right. be, but there's also. Are you I, just disagreeing to disagree? No, but I mean, but there's a compassion part of it too. You were talking about making a terrorist I mean, a, uh, a weapon of mass destruction earlier. Yeah, I was saying You know that, what that allows, right? The whole idea of that? What? Isn't it that you can reach out into other countries and take out people who are You're who are insinuating it. that that's why I was asking? Well, you were asking about declaring it a no, weapon of mass destruction. I was trying to get the point across that that's how powerful You would be is. able to stop the cartels yeah. if you did that. Well, we could just... If we were actually going to try to stop cartels. And law enforcement has been a great partner. So we trained um, all of the Jefferson County Sheriff's deputies last year on overdose response. We provided them with naloxone. We trained the patrol division of the Birmingham Police Department. We work with multiple smaller That's municipalities, Mountain Brook, for example, and Hueytown and Brighton and um, Brookside. And we've worked with a lot of law enforcement agencies and provided them with naloxone and Alabama Department. Brookside could pay for theirs. <laughs> <laughs> Saying. Oh, God. God. <laughs> Before Darlene over there is like, and I don't know what to say. Right. Okay, well, but so like, can can patrol cars carry? They do. They yeah. Do so Jefferson so County, like, Birmingham City. Okay. Yeah, and that's a huge step in the right direction. Right. There's a couple stories out there where um, a Jefferson County Sheriff's uh, deputy re- reversed a fentanyl overdose in a one-year-old out in yeah. the Fairfield area. Remember that? It was like on the bedside um, and, and table or well, something. Our, kid, uh, our uh. kid is in the video. You can see our, our JCDH kid in there. And so um, so law enforcement has been a great partner. And I know they're doing everything they can to mm-hmm. address the supply 
as well. So I want to say that I want people to hear me say that, that, you know, whereas law enforcement may, you know, may have been more resistant in in the past, they, they have come along, they understand now that this is, you know, it's not something we can arrest our way out of. And I've heard them say that many times, like we don't have enough space in our jails to really fully Mm -hmm. address it that way. We've got to really address it, you know, with resources. We need to bring back the Nancy Reagan. I think you said it. The Nancy Reagan, the just say no. Yes, and it just doesn't work. Well, but it does. That's what we're saying we're going to try to do, though. That's the only way to reduce the demand. Yeah, is to educate and tell people, like, you can't even risk it. Yeah, I think the the difference is just say no is, like, just not acknowledging that people are going to to not say no. I mean, they're, they're going to say yes. And so it's more about like, can we make it less likely that they're going to die from that decision right. is, is, you know, and, and then hopefully never make that decision again, you know? So it's, it's, right. it is, you know, um, I think to tell college students, like, don't ever, you know, don't right. ever smoke marijuana. Don't right. ever take a pill. That's not yours. I think is, is just not gonna, it's not gonna be a reasonable approach, but really, yeah. I, I wish it would work. I think we should still say that. Well, yes, yes, yes. but, yes, but no, we can't only yeah. say that. Right, yeah, right, yeah, right. Yeah. And I get mm-hmm. it. Yeah. I have that conversation like every day. Yes, I Good. I'm like, Good. yeah, I don't know if it is or not. Follow it with a, and I'll cut you off. You'll never have No, that's what I get say. Get a job and I'm like, get I'm out bringing the that world. test strip. You're going to pee mm. in that cup. <laughs> I have a friend of mine that was in law enforcement, and he he made his children take drug tests randomly. And what was great about it was they were able to tell their friends, hey, you know, and the friends were like, don't even oh, offer, don't offer Scott because yeah. you know his dad's going to check him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was actually pretty brilliant. Oh, that was really good. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. Wow. My, y'all feel like, okay. Yeah, I'm kind of overwhelmed. So much. Yeah. But it's good to hear because our last one was great, but it was, was very, um, like what's happening with mm-hmm. the drug cartels and kind of a bigger picture. But this is our backyard. Yeah. Yes. This is yeah. literally what you were 80% of Jefferson County overdose contain fentanyl. Yeah. That is terrifying. And and we have, um, just as of t- yesterday, uh, the updated numbers, we've already had, we finished last year with 401 deaths. This year we already have 310 and we have 60 pending that are suspected overdose deaths. And we're just waiting on toxicology and certification of those which our coroner's office, when they think it's an overdose death, it's most likely an overdose death. And we still have two two months months. to go. Um, And so, uh, you know, we're doing everything that we can, but we need everybody to help and be aware and get the word out and talk about it in their neighborhood and their church and their uh, social groups. And um, more talking about it removes the stigma. The more we talk about it, the less stigma there is, the more people are willing to get resources. The... um so where do these these overdoses occur? Are they with groups of people, or a lot of them by themselves, where it wouldn't matter if they had the was it Norcan? Norcan. Yeah. What's the what's the generic? Naloxone. Yeah. Naloxone was it around all of the all of the above. So it's just a mix. Yeah. Sometimes we know that people overdose with people around, and then by the time paramedics get there, they're by themselves because people are afraid. They're people are afraid to call nine one one sometimes. So I mean, there's. There's still a lot of barriers, but um, hmm. but it happens in all all types of situations. So, is there anything that you want to tell us that we haven't asked about? I know I'm going to. Th- we're all we all think of questions. Yeah. After the driving show down the road. Yeah. <laughs> well, there is another resource here in Jefferson County and Walker County, some of the surrounding areas called the Recovery Resource Center, and that is uh, it's housed over at Cooper Green, um, but is available via telehealth. Um, 
And they are, their mission is to navigate people to resources. So you can make contact with the Recovery Resource Center and they will, whether you have an adolescent in your home that's struggling, they will help you get to the right place to get resources. And so um, very, very wonderful um, organization. We we're, They're a great partner of ours. And so I never want to fail to mention them. Um, their telephone number is 205-458-3377. Um, in addition, um, there is a Never Use Alone hotline, and so um, that's a national nonprofit organization that will stay on the phone with people while they're using so that if they stop responding, they'll call paramedics on their behalf. So another harm reduction right. opportunity, and that's you can just Google Never Use Alone. Okay. And you'll now, see what is that. y'all's website? You referred to y'all's yes. website a couple of different times. You can yeah. order the products there. What is what is that website again? So it's just www.jcdh.org slash naloxone, and that will take you directly to the training site. Okay, very good. Anything yeah. else, ladies? Surprisingly, no, I'm good. I'm usually the one that like, wait, I got 10 I've more got questions. 10 more questions. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate no. Oh, yeah, great. Thanks, Thanks for being so here, Doc. Thank yeah. you yeah, so was, much. That was fantastic. Appreciate yeah. it. Glad you didn't show up wearing a mask. <laughs> well, God, you knew I wasn't going to let that go. <laughs> you knew I was not going to go a whole show. With the Jefferson You're County Health Department person here <laughs> and not say no. that. <laughs> Biden said the pandemic's over. Oh, yeah. We're that's done. Why. We're clear. We're clear now. Except at the Social Security office, I did have to wear a mask last week. Did you say, are y'all not listening to your president? No. You had I that just, chance. It was like teed up. I was already stressed out because I was there. So I just put on the mask. Struggle you know, through. I just, but I did ask the guy, I was like, are you tired of wearing the mask? He was like, no. <laughs> Absolutely. Let's let's not do it next time. (laughs) Great. Fantastic. Oh, thank thank you you for being here. Absolutely. And we appreciate you watching this episode of Alabama Unfiltered. Uh, Make sure you give us a five stars, thumbs up. You can find this podcast at all your usual podcast places. Ladies, anything else? I think that's it. Nothing? No. All right. We'll see y'all next week.